good morning. Thank you guys for being here this morning, uh, whether you're here in the building with us or whether you're online. Uh, excited to be able to worship with you today. So feel free to uh, stand if you'd like to stand, but as long as we're all worshiping together, wherever you're comfortable, uh, just join me. Thank you. Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. dead 
Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Good morning. Thank you for joining us here and online. It's great to have uh, the audience with us, knowing that there are people beyond uh, what I see inside of the pews here, and knowing that people will watch this throughout the week. It's a, it's a joy to be able to have the technology to do that, and it's a blessing, and God uh, caused us to do these kind of things, moved us to do these kind of things to get the Word out. So, watching online right now, I'd encourage you, uh, to do watch party, invite your friends to watch, share that out there so that they can have the opportunity to come together with us and worship our God and Creator, the one who paid it all so that we have the hope of eternal life. If you would join with me in prayer. Father, thank you this day, Lord, for your word. Father, thank you for the gift of your son, for loving us enough that you sent the, your son to die on the cross for us that He would pay it all, Father, all the price, Lord, that we might have redemption, that we might have salvation, Father, that we might have the hope of eternal life. Father, I pray that as the Word goes out, Lord, Father, as we sing the Word, Father, as we, the Word is preached, Lord, Your Spirit would go out and, and move each of our hearts, Lord. Father, for the one who does not know You, today might be the day that they rejoice as they come to know You accept you as Lord and Savior. For the rest of us, Lord, that have a relationship, Father, I pray that this day that it would be strengthened. Father, that our anchor would be fastened even stronger to the only hope that we have in this world, in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. In darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder, who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all keys. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You lay down your life that I I sing for 
all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You down your life that I would be set free oh Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me worthy is the lamb who was slain worthy is a king who conquered the slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. This is amazing This is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You lay down your life, that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you Oh, 
courts than thousands elsewhere than thousands elsewhere one thing I ask and I would see to see your beauty to find you in the place your glory dwells one thing I ask and I would see to see your beauty to find you in the place your glory dwells better is one day in your courts better is one day in your house better is one day in your courts and thousands elsewhere better is one Better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. My heart and flesh cry out for you, the living God, your spirit's water to my soul. I've tasted and I've seen, come once again to me. I will draw near to you. I will draw near to you. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your course than thousands elsewhere, thousands elsewhere. Good morning. We are back in 1 Corinthians, okay? We're going to be back in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. Uh, remember, as, you, as we walk through this book, it'll, it's going to take us a while to get through 1 Corinthians. We'll uh, pick up a little bit more speed as we go along. But I want to say this about it. Read those nine verses, those first nine vo- verses repeatedly, okay? Because it may be the introduction, it may be the hi, how, how are you, hello, I'm Paul, and I'm writing you this letter. But what Paul writes in that is going to come back into play as we read through the book of 1 Corinthians, as we look into the text, we're going to see that connection. So when we talk about the church at Corinth, it's the church of God at Corinth that Paul writes to. Uh, he writes to a particular city, a city that's built around commerce, a city that had... You, you know, it was, it was built further inland, it was destroyed, then it was rebuilt, and it's a popular trade route, and, and there's a lot of stuff going on in the city of Corinth, a lot of stuff going on in Corinth, and that means there's a lot of culture in the city of Corinth that, uh, frankly, these people had to deal with, that Paul had to deal with. The church was built up of people, Gentile people primarily, 
who had come into the church, they didn't have that Old Testament background, the, the Jewish background. There's some of that, but not all of that's in there. And so they bring what... When I look at this passage of Scripture, when I look at the church at Corinth, it mirrors so much the church in America today. The issues that it faces, the issues that we face, are, are essentially the same. And so when we look at this, it's not a history lesson. It's a lesson about how the Scripture interacts with us as a church and, and our intertwinings are living in the culture that, that we belong to. You know, what happens outside of these walls that we, that we both interact with and we bring back into the church. So, when I look at this, it, it is a culture of better both for them and for us. And rather than go back to the details about what they thought was better, uh, let's talk about what we think is better. The idea of, of the better than the other guy thing, the culture of better. I'm here to tell you that the Cardinals, even though they're not playing baseball, are better than the Cubs. Right. Everybody's, everybody's in agreement there, right? Um, I, I will tell you that the Steelers are the best football team out there, bar none. Better, yeah, so that, I mean, just, that's just how it goes. We have a better than, I'm going to tell you that vanilla ice cream is better than chocolate ice cream. Okay, we're going to go that. I'm going to tell you that, that when you're looking at chicken or turkey, it won't be long before it's Thanksgiving, and it'll be cooler and all that stuff. Uh, so go ahead and go buy your turkey. Uh, white meat is better than the dark meat. That's just how I roll with that. So you understand that we live in, in, a, in a term where we decide who is better than the other guy? And NASCAR's got things going on. And, and I watched a little bit of motorcycle racing yesterday. I taped it so I don't have to watch all the commercials. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it's one guy is better than the other guy. Car number five is better than car number three. You know, those kind of things like that. We go around that idea and that, uh, that culture. Mine is better than yours. We bring that into a church. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to bring that into a church, the idea of having to decide which is better. Okay, having to decide which is better. It goes on and on. You know, Macs are better than PCs. Just, you, know, you all knew that. So all of that happens. We, we live in that. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to pick on two sports. And one is NASCAR and the other is hockey. Uh, I, you know, Hockey's a big thing. When I was growing up, the only hockey fan I knew, he liked wrestling at the chase, so I figured they were in the same boat. All right, just, you know, never mind. You can take um, issue with that later on. But I, I've noticed that sometimes what we're, we're waiting for in the hockey game or in the NASCAR is either we're waiting for a fight to break out or we're waiting for a crash. I mean, we live for those kinds of things. I drove in St. Louis for 20 years. You know what stopped traffic? You know what made us stop and look? It wasn't a new billboard. It was a crash. And it wasn't a crash on our side that made us look because it blocked all the traffic up. It was the traffic on the other side. I, I will tell you that on 170, every once in a while I think about that as I'm driving up 170 north of where 70 intersects there, uh, where it squeezes that left lane finally ends right about there I'm driving the, the company truck and I'm headed home 
and there's a, there's a bi-state or a metro bus in front of me. I'm not sure what it was because they changed their name. But there's a bus in front of me, and somebody cut it off, and he stopped. And I stopped in the pickup truck. I, I, the last thing that I wanted to do was to hit a, 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 a bi-state or a metro bus loaded with people. The outcome is not going to be good. And so I locked up the brakes, and, and that meant I had the front bumper scraping, and when it came up, I hadn't touched the bus. But the problem was the person behind me, well, they had radiator fluid all over the ground because my bumper now was higher than their bumper. And because they braked, and I braked, and my back end was up, and their front end was down, and, and we had four or five cars, we became that night's attraction. Okay, the helicopter shows up, I can wave at the news crew. You know, that kind of thing. Because we like the crash. When we open up here in the 10th verse of 1 Corinthians, it's the problem we've been waiting for. It's the crash. Okay, Paul writes this letter because they're a messed up church. They're dysfunctional. they got problems. What are they? Because I want to find out about them. I want to see somebody else's life's a mess. Okay, so, so that's what we're looking at. And, and here's where we get into the 10th verse. It doesn't take us long, right? We had that introduction here in that 10th verse. Okay, we're going to see where the problem is at. So let's pick it up in the 10th verse. I'm in re- reading out of New American Standard. You can follow along. Matter of fact, if you're, if you're here, you can follow along in your Bible. At home, you can follow along in your Bible. If you also have the Bible app, the link's been posted on the Facebook page. You can click on that. And if you've got the Bible app in there, look for us under events. You can follow along. All the information is there for you. Verse 10. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you. Was he, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that none, no one would say you were baptized in my name. Now I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. So let's talk about the surface problem. Here we are, we're waiting for what is wrong with the church at Corinth? What's that first thing that Paul's going to address? This must be the, the biggest problem, right? And it is that surface problem is a divided church. It talks about the divisions. Uh, I am of Paul, I am Cephas, I am of Paulus, I am of Christ. And we see this division going on inside of the church. And so there's reference to that. There's understanding about what that meant. Uh, Paul had come and preached, so now Paul's got a, a fan club. Apollos uh, was there preaching. Uh, pa- Apollos has apparently got a fan club. S- Cephas, which is Peter, we don't know if he's actually been to Corinth at this time or not. 
but he has a following. And then there are those who, who are more spiritual than the rest, and we are of Christ. Okay, that's how that works out as we watch and we look at this surface problem. Immediately, that's what we see the problem is that they're, they're divided up and they've taken parties with these men. Now, I will note that when you look through this, Apollos' name comes up later. Apollos is not an enemy. It doesn't appear that Paul or Apollos or Cephas tried to make a fan club out of anybody. It wasn't like they, they appointed a president of their fan club and said, follow him. And so that's what's going, that's the division that we see. That's the problem on the surface. So the surface solution is, and I'm going to borrow a phrase from a sign you probably see in Cracker Barrel and you've probably seen on Facebook with all of the things going on. Y'all need just, y'all need to just get along. Right? That's, I mean, that's simply put, right? That's what Paul said. You all need to get along. You know, stop complaining about the differences and start uniting on the things that you're similar in. And, and that's, that's the simple fix to that issue. People are not getting along. You need to get along. If you've had children, yeah, you know what that's like, right? You needed to walk in and tell them you all need to get along, right? That, that's what happens. The Hazelwoods won't be too long. They'll have all their family together. It'll be great for a couple days. And we'll see if they have to use this. You're free to borrow this phrase. Y'all need to get along. Because that's what happens. Here's the thing. We can look at it as divisions with the group that follows Paul, with the group that follows Cephas, with the group that follows Apollos, with the group that claims to be following Christ. And we can walk into the room and we can walk into the church and we can say you all need to get along better. And then walk out the door. You, you know, you think about it. The, the church at Corinth had a problem with division over leadership. You look in today's churches and sometimes we have division over leadership. It might be the music guy and the preacher. And we got all of a sudden we got a group that really likes the music guy and a group that really likes the, the preacher, and you got a divided church. Uh, sometimes it's divided over the color of carpet. So you know, churches have split over issues, right? Because they have divisions. And so the simple thing is to say that you need both the song leader and the, the preacher. You need you know, carpet color really doesn't matter. Unless, of course, it's lime green or pink. Um, but, but, you know, and we can walk away from it. But I, I want us to look at what Paul says here and what Paul touches on. Because there's a, we need to have a deeper understanding of what he's dealing with and what the church at Corinth was dealing with and what the church in Carlinville deals with what we as believers deal with across our land. Churches have problems. It's not just a surface division. There's something deeper under the surface and we need to find out what that is. We've all sat down with somebody. What's the problem? Well, nothing's wrong. 
And you keep probing and you keep probing and you find out that something, it might, might have been the loss of a loved one just recently or something like that, and it's still eating at them. The, the, something that was said at work, something that somebody said to them in passing. But you have to get beyond that, that initial, hey, everything's okay because I know that it's not. And so when I look at the church at Corinth, what I want to do is for us to walk away looking at rather than, hey, they weren't all getting along, they just needed to get along. That's going to be the problem that we're going to see with not only this, with the, the Paul, the Apollos, the Cephas, the, the Christ thing. You know, it's the gifts things that come along. It's the other issues. They just need to get along. There's something deeper at that, and it's something deeper that Paul has touched on in those first nine verses. The word I want us to look at is allegiance. Now that, that word in and of itself is not in the first nine verses. It's not in the first 17 verses. But it is allegiance that we're dealing with here. When they say, I am of Paul, or I am of Cephas, or I am of, uh, of Paulus, I think, if I get them all three in there, or I am of Christ, it's a matter, because Paul says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Was Paul baptized for you did i bab you know those are the kind of things and what that un underneath of all of that that we're trying to understand underneath the rhetoric that paul is putting out there to the church at corinth sometimes the the, the sarcasm the sarcasm that he's putting out there is this because when they say i am of apollos or i am of paul or i am of cephas it is the idea of allegiance. It means now that their allegiance is either to Paul, to Cephas, or to Peter, or in a, in a twisted way, to Christ. So, what he's trying to get at is, is this. The allegiance is at the core of this. Your allegiance can't be to a person. And let's talk about the underlying solution because just getting along with one another. So, you know, Adam and I don't have any fights, so that's a good thing, right? Everything's solved. But if our allegiance is not put right, then the problem that caused the division hasn't been fixed. Do you understand that? We've got to fix the real core issue behind the surface problem. We every once in a while have a drip in the roof. It leaks from time to time. The rain runs the right way. Maybe you got one of those at home. They made great episodes out of I Love Lucy and some of the Ma and Paul Kettle kind of shows where they have pots and pans all over the floor. That didn't fix the problem, did it? It's not until you fix the source of the leak, fix the roof, that you solve the issue. And so when Paul addresses this, it's not the idea of simply getting along with one another to agree not to disagree kind of thing. That doesn't fix the issue. It's the allegiance issue that needs to be fixed. So the underlying solution to that is going back to the second verse of of 1 uh, Corinthians there, the first chapter there, when it says, 
This is just a starting point for us that you and I, the church of God, was sanctified in Christ Jesus, set apart for God's service in Christ Jesus. That grace, that mercy, the gifts that he talks about as he rolls through those first nine verses. What's the source of all those? What's the, the beginning point of all of those things? It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so the allegiance can't be to a person. It has to be to a Savior. It has to be to the one who's truly sanctified you, who set you apart, who died on the cross. When you became baptized, it was a symbol, not of your relationship with Paul or Osephus or of Apollos. It's a symbolic act of your relationship with Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, and the resurrection into a new life that is provided to you not by a man, not by a church, but by Jesus Christ Himself. You see, when we have problems in our walk with Christ, when we have problems in our church, it may not be the other side. It may be that what we have is an allegiance issue that needs to be fixed. Our mind and our eyes and our walk needs to be set on Christ. Not someplace else. So I'm going to close with three simple questions. Not that these will be quick questions, but three simple questions. I want to ask you, where are you? That's a simple question. But here's the thing. Do you have allegiance to a person or something other than Christ? Think about that. We don't do that, right? We don't have allegiance to a Paul or Apollos or Cephas. But yet churches divide over their leadership. When a pastor moves on, so do some of the people. We've seen churches split where they, they you know, the church, I have a friend who, who, who is in the process of revitalizing a church that was, had, had at least one leader, if not two leaders, leave and take a group of people with them. The church in America today doesn't have problems with allegiance to a person, does it? Okay? So I'm asking the question, a gut check. Is your allegiance to Jesus? Or is it something else? Is it to Emmanuel Baptist Church? Think about that. We have kids who grow up in our youth department and they end up going off to college. And then when they get to college, wherever that might be, they don't go to church. Because it's not their home church. So where is their allegiance to? Because technically, we are the church of God at Carlinville. So when they go off to Carbondale, when they go off to some other, uh, they go off to Columbia or wherever, guess what? God has a, the church of God at Columbia, the church of God at Carbondale, the church of God, and wherever it might be that they end up landing. So, when I ask that question, do you have allegiance to a person or to a building? You obviously would say no. 
But what do your actions bear out? What do your actions bear out? When you're on vacation and you're someplace else, guess what? God's got a church there. You stop on a Sunday morning and say, I want to go to church because that, because my allegiance is to the God of the church of Carlinville, to the God of the church of Tampa or Orlando or San Francisco or, or um, wherever you might be. Okay? You see that? What, what, when, I, when I ask that question, it, it sounds simple enough. To say no, but take an inventory of your actions. One of the things that Paul says in the 17th verse kind of sounds odd, but Paul's asking, I didn't come, Christ didn't call me to baptize is, is essentially what he says. And remember, baptize is to the allegiance. What he's saying is, I'm not here to collect followers. I'm not here to build up my ego, to build up my kingdom. I will tell you as a pastor standing in front of you, as a preacher preaching to you this day, that part of me loves to have a group of people who like what I do. I'm just honest, okay? That's the human side of me. Um, sometimes I'm concerned about whether I'm doing a good job or not doing a good job. Don't give me the sympathy thing later, okay? Just understand that's I'm human, right? We all do that. And so what Paul reminds me of, it's not about Cliff. I, ha you know, we, I was told this as a, as a, growing up, right? I've heard this phrase for a long time. I make a better door than a window. But what I want to be is a window, right? Or if I'm going to be a door, I want to be an open door, not to Cliff, but to Jesus. And so, when I ask that question, are you collecting followers, I'm just going to, you know, I'm putting one finger out to you and eight back to me, or six back to me there. And, uh, and, and that's the issue that we have to deal with. Wherever we are, Whoever we are, we have to deal with the idea that we're not trying to, to be the point of interest. That Jesus is the point of interest. So, so that's something that when we're, we're asking that question, where are you? Are you collecting followers? Are you showing the way to the kingdom? Which is the last one that I will ask you. Are you preaching the Gospel? Preaching the Gospel. Um, one of my favorite songs that I listen to that we won't be playing anytime soon is I was born to preach the gospel. And if, we've been, if you've been born again, you truly have been born to preach the gospel. And what Paul says in there is I have been born. My calling is not to create followers my calling is to preach the gospel or the good news. The message, I love the way that the message says it. You can read it later on. Find the message translation. You've got the Bible app. You can change the translations. Look what it says in the message. It says sharing what he has done. That's my job 
That's your job. So when I look at the problems of the church of Corinth, I want to ask those questions. And here's where I want to land. I want to be able to say yes to the idea that I am doing what Paul said he was doing, and that is I am preaching the gospel. I am sharing what he has done. It's not about me. I won't save you. It's not, hey, uh, I got to heaven because I heard Cliff. I got to heaven because Jesus paid it all. That's the message that I need to proclaim. That's the centrality of our life. It starts here. It's all about Jesus. We wonder where our problems start at. It's when we make our life about something other than Jesus. You see the divisions. Y'all get along. It's easy. We walk away. But we all need connected to Jesus in a way, in a fashion, that we are about proclaiming what He has done and not what we have done. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Father, I thank You for the conviction, the teaching, the rebuke, the, the, the correction that is contained in Your Word. And Father, I pray, Lord, that I would be about the business of preaching the Gospel and sharing what You have done. Father, I pray for those that are listening, those that are here, those that will listen in the future, Father. I pray, Father, that they would walk through this passage they would come to the conclusion and make the corrections, Lord, that their life might be about sharing what You have done, about preaching the Gospel. And finally, this day, Lord, Father, I pray that if someone doesn't know what that good news is, the good news simply is that Jesus Christ, Your Son, left His robes and His crown in heaven and came down to be born of a virgin for the purpose of dying on the cross pay the price for our sins by the shedding of His blood. And Father, that He is not dead, but He was buried and that He arose on the third day. And that by confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, by asking forgiveness of their sins, Father, that today that person who doesn't know You as Savior might know You and might on this day, even in this moment, have the hope of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's join Adam. Oh, it's 
forth. Better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere, than thousands elsewhere. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're reading, again, I'm going to ask you that question, have you read that's how we connect with the one who died for us. That's how we grow as Christians. And I'm encouraging you to read Luke chapters 1 through 6. You're going to read the Christmas story. Maybe it'll cool you off this hot week as you read that story and be reminded of Jesus who we're, we're doing. So remember to read, remember to pray, and remember to worship. Thank you.